Welcome to Inside the Vault. Our podcast will offer you an insider's perspective on finances and how to make the most of your money. I'm your host, John Rosenfeld. For today's episode of Inside the Vault, we're going to turn the tables a bit and interview John Rosenfeld himself. As our Citizens Access podcast frontman, we thought listeners might appreciate his rather unique professional journey to give context to his financial perspectives and how Citizens Access came to be. I'm Krista Malaris, Head of Marketing and Customer Experience for Citizens Access, and I had the pleasure and rather crazy opportunity to design, develop, and launch the bank with John and a small team a few years ago. So we got to know John's history pretty well and what makes him tick. So John, tell us about your first chapter as an Army Ranger in Green Beret. That's a tad bit more dangerous than banking. How did that happen? I went to a military university, Norwich University. While I was studying towards an engineering degree, I was also going through the ROTC program. And so I ultimately commissioned into the Army. And when I graduated, I uh, went through training and then deployed to Germany for a few years and then came back and actually went into Special Forces. And what did you do during that time? So initially, when I was in Germany, I was an infantry platoon leader. I had a platoon of of, uh, soldiers. And basically, our mission at the time was to protect the Fulda Gap, which was a kind of a a line somewhere between Germany and Russia. And that's where we were to deploy. So most of the, the forces in Europe in the early 80s were kind of remnants of the Cold War and a defensive mechanism, if you will, that was never needed, ultimately, thank God. That was our mission, uh, and to be prepared to deploy. So when Desert Storm happened, I actually deployed from Germany to Saudi Arabia with my men, and then we basically manned the border between Saudi Arabia and Iraq. And I believe you have a few harrowing tales about jumping out of airplanes? I do. I used to tell people, I, for some reason, I jump out of perfectly good airplanes. I took off with a lot, but landed with far fewer. Uh, so I have about 180 military jumps under my belt. That experience you're exactly using every day to <laughs> no, run our business, not. but it sure puts things in perspective. How did you then pivot to gaining over 20 years of executive leadership experience in e-commerce and financial services? So when I left the military, I joined GE with their JMO program, or Junior Military Officer Program, which was designed for people leaving the military, serving leadership positions within the company. And while I was there, I started taking courses on the internet, or about the internet, actually, and I I learned how to program web pages. And I I figured out that this was going to change how we do business forever. And this is back in the early 80s. So I ended up leaving GE to go to Lexmark. I was probably one of the first resumes on monster.com, and they hired me to help build out their e-commerce program. I did that for a few years, and then GE called me back to help them launch their e-commerce program. It was kind of like a startup within the company. So I did that for a few years with with the GE aircraft engine business, and then ultimately I got a call in about, I think it was right around 2000, from Bank of America. And they had just uh, merged with Nations Bank, and they were looking for somebody from outside of banking to come in and run their online banking business. And they really wanted a new perspective. They didn't want a banker to run it. They wanted somebody that knew more about the internet than they did about banking. Smart. Well, and that's one of my favorite stories. I 
sounds like you were a bit too ahead of it, the innovation curve while at Bank of America. Yeah, there was one funny thing. We we did a lot of neat things and, and a lot of things that people take for granted today, like being able to see a check image when you log into online banking or pay bills for free or a number of other things, you know, seeing your transactions show up almost immediately. And one program we had, we thought it was really innovative, the idea that you could do mobile banking on your handheld device. And the programs failed miserably. No one wanted to do it. And we couldn't figure out why. And then we looked at the devices. At the time, the only things that were available were Palm Pilots and Blackberries. So mobile banking really never took off until the devices became far more capable, like the iPhone. That experience certainly has benefited us. And then you had some time at TD Bank. I did. I left Bank of America after about, I guess it was eight years. I served uh, a couple of years actually with TD Ameritrade, the brokerage business, and then jumped back to TD Bank and ran their deposits business for a few years. And then I got a call to come back home to Boston and join Citizens Bank. I got offered uh, an opportunity to run what we called everyday banking. Well, and that was a pretty sweet role. What compelled you to take the gamble leading the creation of Citizens Access as a new division? Well, I ran Everyday Banking, which was all of the, basically the products you use every day, debit cards, savings accounts, checking, uh, credit card, et cetera. And and I did that for about four or five years, and I really enjoyed it. We we had the opportunity to recreate a whole bunch of different products and services and value propositions. And I saw it as a personal opportunity to kind of bring together the experience I had gained around building online or digital properties with all the experience I had gained around building bank products. Uh, And so it was a a really exciting opportunity for me, I think for our team, and really for the company. So how did you approach choosing your team? It's like another special forces operation. It was tricky. I wanted to get people first and foremost with the right attitude. I knew that their jobs would be a lot different from even from the day they started till a year later, and that we were all going to have to kind of approach it as a team. So I really looked at attitude more than aptitude. I mean, I wanted people obviously with a lot of skills, but it was really about the team dynamic and, and people that were just excited by the unknown. So many digital banks were launching at that point and continue to launch. What did you see as our biggest opportunity when you jumped into that role? Yeah, I, I, it's true. There were a lot of digital banks out there. And I thought, and I think we proved as a team, that we could do it even better. So we looked at pretty much all of them. In fact, you'll recall, I gave everyone homework the first week we all assembled as a team. And I sent everyone home and said, I want you to open an account with each of these banks. And and so everyone had to come back and report out on the bank that they opened the account with, what the experience was, what they liked, what they hated, et cetera. And then we took the best from everybody and we, and we kind of put that as our starting point. And then we started really thinking about each individual step of every single experience and was there a better way to do it. Yes. And the second piece of homework you gave us was to ask us to read The One Thing by Gary Keller. And that helped us determine what our singular maniacal focus was in terms of building our digital bank. And we decided on absolute simplicity for our customers. And it was the most incredible exercise. And to this day, it's guided every single design, copy, operations, and technology decision we've made since then. It's true. The whole team 
weren't all fans of all the books I assigned. <laughs> but I think what we, I've had you read three or four books over the last couple of years, and that was one of my favorites. So I'm glad you liked it. Well, and to this day, customer experience remains core to our DNA. You know, our favorite meeting, as you always say, is our weekly review of customers' feedback and concerns and compliments. And it's to ensure that we're all aligned on how to prioritize improvements, because if our customers aren't happy, then what is the point of staying in business? I agree. And I I would venture to guess that there's not another bank in the country, maybe in the world, where the president and every senior executive in the bank meets weekly and reviews every single complaint that we get from customers. I mean, it's just uncanny. Now, the good news is we don't get all that many complaints. If it was much more sizable, we, we may not be able to do that. But right now, we're still looking at every single complaint. Do you remember CAC's 500 day? I do. We, we had a mission to reach out to 500 customers and ask one simple question. How could we make their experience better? And we, we had to rally a whole bunch of people to do it because we to achieve 500 in one day, that was a lot of phone calls. But it was really neat to, to see the response from our customers. They were thankful that we called, uh, and they gave us some great ideas. And we also had a bunch of people say, just keep doing what you're doing. It was very validating and very good to have those deep discussions. Any similarities between free-falling 20,000 feet over enemy territory and managing our business daily? Not daily. <laughs> I think on occasion, we have some difficult scenarios or situations. I mean, COVID alone or financial situations that we've experienced in the last year and or last few years have all created challenges. Like in the military, when you approach a, a challenge, you have to have a plan. You have to have a way to attack it. You have to assess the situation. You have to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And then you have to gather your resources and make sure you're all heading in the right direction and, and all working together. Well, and we always appreciate your level head when it comes to guiding us in the right direction. So to close out, I'm hoping our listeners have a better understanding of your background and how Citizens Access was created, but thought I'd go a bit deeper inside the vault by wrapping up with a lightning round of questions. You game? Sounds exciting. Let's rock. Okay. What's the first thing you want to do once social distancing is fully lifted? Travel. How many kids do you have? Six. How many dogs do you have now? I think I lost count. Three. What did you name your new boat? Uh, we're still trying to figure that out. We're thinking anchor management. <laughs> yeah. What one person would you like most to meet, alive or dead? Albert Einstein. What's the last book you read? The last book was The Millionaire Mind by Thomas J. Stanley. It's probably going to be on our reading list soon, huh? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite bourbon? Maker's Mark. Best Netflix binge? Ooh, that's hard. Lately, I've been watching Wicked Tuna. <laughs> What's the most meat you've smoked at one time in your big green egg? <laughs> well, one time two turkeys, another time six racks of ribs, another time two briskets. So I, I've filled it up quite a few times. We, have a, we used to have a lot of people over. We've benefited from that. <laughs> Where is the most interesting place you've ever traveled? Most interesting place I've ever traveled. That's difficult. I've traveled quite a bit. I'd actually say Hawaii. 
uh, I got to go to five islands and and spend at least a, a day or two on each island and got to just explore everywhere. And I, it's there's so much to do in Hawaii. How far was your last Peloton ride? About 45 minutes or just over uh, 15 miles. Nice. Final and easiest question. Who's your favorite person on our leadership team? They all are. <laughs> Good answer. Thanks, John. This has been a lot of fun today. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Please keep your great questions coming through questions at citizensaccess.com. This is John Rosenfeld closing the vault for today. Thanks for listening. To hear more of our podcasts, go to citizensaccess.com slash inside the vault or search inside the vault wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast and tune in next time. Citizens Access is a division of Citizens Bank N.A., member FDIC. Citizens Bank N.A. is an equal opportunity lender. Views expressed may not necessarily reflect those of Citizens Access. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only as a service to the public and is not legal advice or a substitute for legal counsel, nor does it constitute advertising or solicitation. You should do your own research and or contact your own legal or tax advisor for assistance with questions you may have on the information contained herein.